Wanderers in trouble again here, it's two, it's Oscar teed up by Holt this time, the two Brazilians, the two marquee signings, and it's 2-0 for Andre Villas-Boas' team. That was just part of what went on last night, <laughs> five points to Shanghai Shimura over the West Sydney Wanderers, and not far away in, in Korea, Ulsan Hyundai gave uh, the Brisbane Roar a tailing yeah. up 6-0 as well. Carlos, welcome. Yes, uh, how are you there, Francis? Uh, we multiply that one grab by 11. For, and, and actually, the week before, another five. No, sorry, another four. So uh, the boys aren't doing so well, but the darkest day. I, I love the passion. Mark Rudin, Mark Bosnich, I love the passion. But it's like they've just come off Mars and come into, the, come into Australia and just seen that and said it's a darkest day. They lived through many darkest days before. Uh, that's, they're just poor performances. If you, look, if you look at those two teams right now, plus Adelaide who are playing tonight, in, and they're worried about the, uh, the quality of the air, in uh, uh, where they're playing uh, in, China. in China, so uh, but you know West Sydney Wanderers are having an ordinary year. Uh, Brisbane are just running out of personnel. They've played nine games in thirty-two days, uh, and they're they're really struggling to to get fit men and, and and people who are fresh on the on the pitch. And of course Adelaide, they're last on the ladder. No wonder you know, and they're playing really really good sides. And by the way, Brisbane what two weeks ago beat Shanghai Shenhua, and people were saying how we're closing the gap on these billionaire Chinese and and. Southeast Asian team. So, look, it wasn't good, but we don't want to, you know, make it bigger than what it is, really. No, you can understand the frustration watching it, though. And what we saw was the two football economies. So, Shanghai Shenhua has Andre Villas-Boas, who we know, if mm. you watch a bit of Premier League, was uh, in charge of Tottenham for a while, uh, and, and some continental teams as well along the way. And then Hulk. Hulk, yep. Who I love. Uh, it, was, it must be strange having gone from St. Petersburg to, <laughs> to, to, to oh, He's loving it. An international life, that is. He's loving the dim sum over there, and uh, he's having a great... And it then, would, and then yeah. Oscar as well. Yeah, but it would help, though, if you watch the game, it would help if you're in the six-yard box and the ball's coming over to get body contact on him. I mean, Hulk's going to score anyway, but just make it a little bit difficult for him. So... Those little things there, it's not like they outclassed them completely. They were way off the pace. They Even the game against Wellington on the weekend, Brisbane, um, they lost 2-1 over in Brisbane. If you watch, I mean, it was Wellington Phoenix put together a, a stanza of play that ended in a goal that went for 22 passes that weren't in, intercepted. I mean, this is Wellington Phoenix. This is not like Sydney FC or Melbourne Victory or someone in Brazil or... You know, someone in Spain like a Barcelona with Iniesta playing and Messi. This is Wellington Phoenix put 22 <laughs> passes together and they scored without uh, Brisbane intercepting. If you watch that game, Brisbane were nowhere near any of their men through that whole game. So there's fatigue there. You can see the signs of it anyway. But that's no excuse with the performance or the result, but let's not make it bigger than what it is. 9-14, if you want to have a chat. Carlos is here as well. Carlos Alberto Diego talking about the world game. Um, yes, the, and the other side of that is the Australian football economy, which is small mm. squads, very small salary cap. And you're, if you've got to play in more than one competition, you're finding it pretty tough because you haven't got the players. Absolutely. And Brisbane played some young kids. Uh, you know, I think there was a kid on debut from the youth team last night. Oh, I mean, playing a, in a Champions League game over there. I mean, really. I mean, I hope he's recovered. You know, he doesn't need too much therapy after that because, you know, that's uh, – but that's what John Aloisi does, throws him in the deep end. But like I said, only a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Borello was the best man on the park against the, the, the billionaires with Carlos Tevez with uh, Shanghai Shenhua. So let's put it all in perspective. It wasn't great. It hasn't been great this Champions I mean, But Brisbane or West Sydney could come out and win next week and suddenly – 
the perceptions change. It doesn't mean that we don't have things to work on. What's by the way. your darkest day in club football in Australia? Yeah. Oh, we've geez. all got to have one now, don't we? The one that hurt me the most, and I know when we do this sort of thing, Francis, we're going to get in trouble because people are going to say we're being negative about the no, game. We're just but they're big moments that hurt us a lot, right? And I would think that. Uh, the 1997 World Cup qualifier against Iran at that stadium when we you know, 2-0 up and uh, somehow we conceded to in the last 10 minutes after you know the interruption by Peter Hoare, that serial pest, and, uh, and we ended up drawing on aggregate and because of the away goal draw, we didn't go through, but then backed up with the Confederations Cup where we went to oh, uh, somewhere in the Middle, Middle East, East and we got beat in the final 6-1 after Viduka was sent off against Brazil. Yeah, that was wrong. I mean, they hurt. That, that really hurt. And the other one that really hurt, I mean, this is a one that, it was around about that time too. It's all under Venables, actually. It was where we played Croatia before. That was the <laughs> darkest day. No, no, no. no. Yeah, we got flogged. Uh, yeah, it was against Croatia in the World Cup warm-up for them because we didn't get to the uh, World Cup in 98. And uh, we, got to the, we got to where we are going to play them and we were there for a couple of days and Australia picked Ante Siric to play for us and Croatia picked <laughs> Ante Siric to play for them and until like an hour before the game, we didn't know who he was, who he was going to play for. Well, we didn't know, but the most, obviously the teams did. And then we got beaten 7-0 or something. I mean, that, that's when the, the care factor of the players were questioned. And- I'll give you my darkest day in Australian football. And one of the Socceroos told me this story. So when AC Milan came to Australia, remember that? <laughs> yes, they came to Australia. Yeah. And we all went to Princess Park. That's right. In, with the temporary license in sort of April or May of 89, was it? Or something? Yeah. And there was still the Carlton was still playing footy there, That's so right. the, the AC. This is with with Van Basten mm, and mm. Baresi and all. Superstars yep. turn down at Princess Park, and there's a cricket pitch that's muddy, and it was shocking. Yeah, and they played in Sydney the week before, or a couple of days before, and this soccerer said that they naturally wanted to swap shirts with the players, so they yeah. went into Marco Van Basten and those guys and swapped shirts, and a soccer Australia official said. What are you doing, mate? <laughs> You've got to wash those and use those again on Tuesday night. Yeah. Go back into the AC Milan rooms and ask for oh, your you're shirt kidding. back. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me <laughs> at that time. The yeah. said no, yeah. but that for me is the darkest thing yeah. in Australian football, having to go and ask Rude Hullett, can I, can I have my shirt back? Yeah. Another one was obviously when New Zealand beat us. Uh, to qualify for the 82 oh, World Cup. Too, uh, and they were quite a good New Zealand side, actually. they were, I think they were competitive over there. I can't really remember. We could but, go on. No yeah, no, that, to our Israeli yeah, friends. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah, Israel either. in, uh, was it 89? Israel, 85, was 80, it? Oh, like, I lose count. Yeah, 89, I think. Uh, Trimmers played in the game uh, where we, sh- we were expected to win and there was a mistake at the back and oh. Charlie Ankles was involved and they got Eddie Krenchvich from overseas to come and help. And oh, it was a bit of a mess stop. at that time. So, uh, look, and I'm sure there's other people out there would would name you know time after time they'd probably be able to go to their state league clubs and pick you know what the darkest day was there uh we've had our fair share of darkest days but we've had some fantastic we've yes. changed this uh, francis we've had some fantastic moments uh that makes those darkest days uh you know something that uh, we can put aside you don't have the light without the dark yeah. john's in mini ponds hey john yeah hi how are Carlos? you good good yes mate Carlos. yeah i think what you're talking about is uh, scotty chippis buying his own ticket 
to come and play against New Zealand, I think, under the old soccer Australia. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that one. I, I was talking about when uh, New Zealand beat us to qualify for the 82 World Cup. We didn't get there because of that. And it's when Frank Arrock took over after that. So, uh, yeah, no, we've had our moments, but uh, but last night wasn't the worst. No, it wasn't the worst. <laughs> we just listed about 10 worst moments in that. Anyway, yes, John, you want to talk about Bozza? Yeah, yeah, yeah look. Oh, look, this is the same guy who said two weeks ago, and I, I, I've been listening to you guys, and um, Aloisi made a few comments in, in the media as well. This is the guy two weeks ago who said, oh, look how far the A-Wings come. We've beat Shanghai Shenhua. Now, Brisbane's played for nine games in 32 games, and I know people will turn around and say, yeah, but they're professional. But mm. at the end of the day, it's an A-League. We play once a week. We don't play 60 games a year like in Europe. And unfortunately, guys, I mean, it's not the same Brisbane team that played against Shanghai Shenhua. Four weeks ago, or two weeks ago, I mean, they just spent. And yeah, yeah, but John, at the same time, look, I, I don't want to give them that excuse either because, you know, West Sydney Wanderers a few years ago, they were last in the ladder. They had a horrific uh, calendar, you know, uh, schedule, and they they qualified. They kept on winning over there in, under really bad circumstances. So it's, a, it's that mental you know, mentality that you, you go into with these things. I felt last night Brisbane let itself down because they weren't resilient enough. I understand what leads to it, but... They know they plan for these things. They don't just rock, on, just jump on a plane and suddenly get to China and say, "Wow, I'm tired." They plan for these things months before. They know what's going to happen. They know the calendar. Yeah. They know the training loads. They know what they've got to do. Um, Melbourne Victory do it beautifully. They, you know, well, they, they try and do it as well as they can. They all understand these things. They're very professional with the way they prepare. And when the Wanderers run the ACL, the Asian Champions League, they prepared brilliantly. In- their squad because they at times look like they had virtually two separate teams running around. So you get True. guys like Dan Mullen who wouldn't play in the A League who were turning out regularly in the Asian Champions League games and yeah. they accepted their roles. Uh, yeah. You know, and they won the title by really having uh, a really disciplined approach to who was playing and when. But they even because I think you're allowed to have a squad in, uh, up till 30, 30 players in the Champions League. So they were they were recruiting players just for the Champions League. So they were just training with the team during the week and you know and and, and but just played in those Champions League games. So. That's how they got through and ended up winning it. They weren't brilliant through that, by the way, but no, they won it. They got it done. It's going to be Rojas. Sent it in. Oh! Oh, that's a beauty. That is a beauty for Marco Rojas. It's his 11th of the season and victory lead 1-0. That is a cracker and this place erupts. And a 2-1 win over Adelaide United. G's been good. Carlos Alberto, Diego, Marco Rojas on his return to the A-League. He's better than what he was when he before he left, I reckon, and uh, which means Victor will lose him. He'll go overseas. He's got to go overseas again. Look, it's unfortunate. He's still too young to uh, have aspirations of only staying in Australia. I think... Uh, He's a better player now. His core's stronger. He, he he's only a short guy, but he just looks tall. He looks stronger. He looks be able to be able to take the buffering, buffeting a little bit better. And uh, so I'm afraid they're going to lose him. So I'm not sure whether they'll lose him at the end of this season, but someone's got to come in for him somewhere. Is he a Johnny Warren medal chance this year? Uh, I just reckon Whereas someone Nikovic like Nikovic is probably yeah, and it, like a winning team. Yeah, they've only lost one. Oh, sorry, one league game in the cup final. And Nikovic, they just the Sydney media like to, they gush over him, and that's enough for me to get him over the line. Um, but Diego Castro is actually he hadn't played, hadn't had a great full year, but he's playing great football over in Perth too. So the real marquee players, the real technical players, are now starting to play really well. And don't forget also the goal Barisha scored on the weekend. Oh. People 
behind you only really get a sense of it behind the goal when the camp when they showed it uh, when he sort of ran at the defender and just curled it with the outside of his foot and before literally off the boot he went off and celebrated before he actually went into the goals i love that when the when the when the when the striker knows it's going in before anyone in the stadium off the boot he, t- he wheeled away and started celebrating before he went into the back of the goal. I love that. He's been superb. It was his 50th goal for Melbourne Victory. He's 98th, I think, in total in the A-League. And um, given that he came to Victory already having won multiple titles, he's continued to raise his standards, which is what the league needs. It yeah. needs its marquee, marquee players to do that. And, uh, you know, all credit to Bessart. And what a star. What's scary too, Francis, is he's not at his best. You just feel like he's still working his way into it. But in the meantime, he's still scoring the goals and assisting others. And, uh, yeah, victory is going well. And, uh, look, I, I've got a feeling, and I've, I've been wrong actually the last couple of weeks and I've predicted these sort of things. But I, I think they'll beat Sydney, but it's not going to affect the title race in the end. But they'll yeah. beat them this Friday, I reckon. They've kind of banked it, haven't they? Yeah. Hey, let's speak with Paul in Ringwood. G'day, Paul. Yeah, good afternoon, Francis. Um, just a couple of things. First of all, Georgie Best, I think, would have to be the greatest player in the Play in the uh, winning World Cup team. Yeah, he'd be right up there. Ryan Giggs is uh, another one who I reckon yeah. would be right. At, you know, another one who never never but, got to play the World Cup. Yeah, did Georgie go to go to a World Cup? No, with Northern Ireland. Yeah, I think so. yeah. Maybe one of our listeners would know, but that that was sad. Not even having him there if he didn't go. Um, but a really great player who didn't ever get to a World Cup was George Weir. You know, we were talking about off that uh, off air. I mean, when he was playing his best football for AC Milan, and the Italians still rave about him. Uh, the Italian City R was the best league in the in the in in the world and by a mile, and he was one of the best players. So and he won the Ballon d'Or as the yeah. world's best player too. Mm. Uh, someone's texted through and reminds another fact from that AC Milan game at Princess Park. Yeah. I get shudders thinking about it that night. I was cut ten minutes short to allow the team to travel to Tullamarine Airport <laughs> so they could get changed and get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was a bit like that that night. Because remember the lights? Everyone was talking about the lights weren't any good. and shocking. They were playing on the bog. And, but the yeah, Italians, because... it was funny because the Italians almost looked like they were ice skating on the bog and they had the balance and everything. But they really, at, they were probably playing 30% of their potential. And uh, yeah, that was awful. It was awful. <laughs> Max is in St Kilda. G'day, Max. Hello. I was just wondering, I was in England recently I went to watch Fulham in the championship, a mid-table team, and the, the way they play, they look like they would have destroyed any A-League side. Because mm. where do you think A-League side would hold their own in England? Oh, A-League players? Because if you talk about A-League players, we had one that was a great player here and he's become a great player over there too, and that's Aaron Moy. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we spoke to uh, Alex Gersbach just recently, and uh, he's as an eighteen-year-old getting a regular game in the Norwegian league. I know they're in their off-season right now, but they have high hopes. Juventus has got their their eye on him. You know, individual players in the right environment can can match it with anyone over I, there. I, I reckon Max that Sydney have seen their current form. When I watched, yeah. I called the game on Friday night when they took care of Melbourne City. I reckon they could hold their own. In the championship, they're not going to win yeah. the championship, but I think that they'd be mid-table and, and win plenty of games because you look at the Sydney FC team, really strong. Yeah, physically they're imposing, and you need to be that at that level. Yeah. maybe not technically as gifted as some of the teams above them, but I reckon they'd be able to hold their own. If you're really good without the ball, I think you can be competitive against anyone, and that's what Ange's that's his big challenge with the Socceroos when we don't have the ball. Uh, to make sure that we can close down the opposition, whoever it is, and win it back as quickly as possible. And I think Sydney's probably as good as any side I've seen, you know, even with the old Brisbane uh, Raw teams. I think they're better at getting back the ball 
in good areas for them than uh, even the old Brisbane Raw side that was so good. And Victory have done that a couple of times mm. in recent weeks too. Uh, James Terusi pinched uh, the pockets of a couple of Central Coast Mariners players two weeks ago right in their final third. So that's that's a sign of a team that switched on. Robert's in Caroline Springs. G'day, Rob. Francis, how are you guys? Good. Good, mate. That's the way. Guys, um, yeah, great conversation. And I'm just in the car waiting to pick up my kids from school. And we're talking about Marco Rojas. Mm. Um, I remember um, my young son, he started playing out soccer. He loved him then. And now now he's, he's nine going on to ten. And one thing he said to me oh, a few weeks ago, he, he's like, Dad, yes, Marco Rojas, I love him. Why? Because all he does, he, he creates opportunities. He, he goes for the ball. He doesn't fight. He goes... He, he just loves it, and you know what? And, and just watching Marco Rojas, he, he's a perfect example for for young kids, and, and and we just need more players like that. You know, he's just he's just a, a brilliant talent, guys. And what I love, great call there, Rob. But what I love about him too, I think he's improved this time around. That he probably didn't have as much in his game last time around. Is his work when he doesn't have the ball, his second efforts. If someone takes it off him, he's there fighting and challenging. And I think that's probably something he learnt over in Germany because that's something they won't tolerate one way plays over there. Uh, Stays on his feet. Yeah, too. I just wish he was Australian. And really, I, I don't want to get too excited about him because he's, he's a Kiwi. He can never play for us. Can we get the crowded house passport? I, I'm pretty him? sure we can probably get you know the lawyer for crowded house and you know all those you know uh, what's it Russell Russell Crowe and and somehow change things around. Can we get a lawyer to sort this out because. I, I actually almost contain myself when I talk about Rojas because he's not Australian and I don't want to invest in a Kiwi. Emotionally, no. Yeah, no, I don't. So no, we don't want to do that. But maybe we could do a, a swap. We could send Russell Crowe back, and they could send Marco Rojas. Now, what to player us. would we give to if we if we can transfer? <laughs> oh, that's not a fair you know, international players. <laughs> who would we? Give? Who, who would we give? Like a trade, like a trade. It period. might be two or three of them. But who would we give uh, for Rojas? Or wouldn't we give? I mean, that's a talkback topic. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Like we could have tra- like a, like the AFL has a trade period. We could trade. Yeah. yeah. You know, Max Vieri. I'd throw him in. Max Vieri. Yeah. Uh, who else would we throw in there? Um, I'm just thinking of guys who are nightmares in in. Uh, Ruben Zakovic didn't have a good debut <laughs> for a soccer is Maybe we can throw him. Four or five of those guys might we might be able to get <laughs> Rojas. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen is a number. Carlos Alberto Diego with us at seventeen to three. Fahid Ben Kalfala, FBK. Yeah. We were all the way with FBK for a while. <laughs> sort of just dropped off the radar a bit with Melbourne Victory. What's going on there? Well, you know, the story broke. Actually, we had listeners telling us on Saturday night during the Diego Saturday Night Fever post-game show, which was uh, really good. We got a heap of calls, and a lot of people were telling us that there was a contractual issue there where if he played one more game, that it virtually triggers uh, an extension to his contract for next year. And obviously, you know, Paul Trimboli there, the football operations at Victory and Kevin Musket have to now look you know, into the future about what their list is going to look like. They just signed Jai Yigam for another couple of years, so we know what, what opinion they have about him. They like uh, Austin also. Uh, looks like it might be the end of the road for Fahid Ben Kalfala, but you know what I don't understand is that there's commentators out there and people out there saying, you know, that's really bad by victoring. It's, just, it's disgusting that they're doing this, this and that. But this is what list management's all about, and the only thing I'd probably criticise Victory about is why would you have that clause in that contract anyway? I mean, if he's at the age he's at, he has been inconsistent in the time he's been at Victory. Uh, from, you know, I don't hear this, but you sort of assume that he, he might be a bit of a sook at times, you know, the, you know, the way if he doesn't get his way. Yeah. So why would you offer that? Trigger in a contract because it's because it might be the, it might be necessary to get the deal done in the first place, but then you live with it in the hope that you don't have to cross yeah. 
that particular intersection. Mm. And, uh, that's where they found themselves. If he's not the best player for the role this year and they've got other players that can perform that role and it's not going to trigger a, a contract extension where they feel they don't want because remember they've got limited lists and limited resources they can't mm. be uh, you know profligate and cavalier with this stuff then they're doing the right thing uh, yeah I, I can tell you for sure there's no way Paul Trimboli and Kevin Muscat would be putting aside a player who's going to be valued to them next year uh, because of any other reason other than, than list management and what's good for the club. Chris reckons uh, that Kiwis can have Bernard Tomic. <laughs> I don't think they'd take that deal, Chris, off the SMS, but thanks thanks for suggesting it. John's in Essendon. G'day, John. Hey, um, guys, just had a, had a couple of victory players, that I, I, an Australian victory players that we, we'd swap for Rojas, having the Socceroos team. Yep. yep. I, I think uh, they can have uh, Oliver Bizanich. Um and, and as a sweetener, we'll, we'll throw in Rashid Mahazi. Oh, well, two for one deal. Yeah. No, I wouldn't talk about victory players. It's too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go with players that, uh, that you know... Have played for the Socceroos yeah. and should, should never do it. Yeah, I know, I know. I, look, you know, I, those boys there at, at different times have been great for that club. And uh, I know they're not always at their best. And sometimes I think uh, Rashid Mahazi is a sort of player that's targeted the boo boys at times. And uh, and Ollie Bazanich at different times has been really good. But for a marquee, he's probably not at his best. No, but, he's uh, not. And that is yeah. an interesting one because yeah. he's a marquee player and he, he hasn't lived up to that status. Will they, he's got another year on his contract there, Francis. Will they try and manoeuvre something? Nicky Ward also come to Melbourne Victory as an Australian marquee player at the time that he arrived? Yeah, didn't, that's yeah. Didn't really no. live up to that status either. Charlie's in Seaford. G'day, Charlie. Yeah, we're talking about the World Cup great players. The greatest player that ever played in the World Cup would have to be Alfredo Di Stefano. Di Stefano, yep. yep. Right and up there. the two greatest players that played the finals never made never made the World Cup would have to be Puskas and yeah. Cliff. Yeah. But in those days the friendlies were so prestigious. And the so European rare, and the European Cups were so, so big that I think people did still know how great they were in, in, in big company, in, in top company. Charlie, hold the line. You've mm. won a, uh, a voucher from our friends at creatorwall.net.au. Custom removal wall art. Perfect for the home office and man cave. Thank you for your call, Charles. But he's right about uh, Pushkas and... Uh, and Stefano, yeah. Stefano, great players. And R- Cruyff. Oh. But well, Cruyff played in the World Cup final in 74. 74. Yeah. In 78, they... Dutch should have won it too. That's right. I mean, yeah, the Dutch will tell you every time they should have won something too, by the way. Yeah. But uh, Every time I see yeah. Damien Lovelock, he's not Dutch. <laughs> he's hardy, he is, though. Ed's in Caulfield. Ed. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you? Um, yeah, good, good. Just uh, you guys, I think, a similar vintage to me, and you probably would have stood out at Olympic Park when it existed down here in Melbourne, and you would have seen a bloke that played for Victoria, the Big V. Yep. And also for the Socceroos. He was off Scottish descent, yep. and we can swap him for, for anyone. And that bloke would be Gary Cole. The great Gary Cole. Gary Cole was prolific. People people talk about, you know, and people used to ridicule Gary Cole, but he was he just knew where the goals were. He'd miss probably, Gary's probably listening to us right now, but uh, he'd miss a heap of goals, but he'd score, like he's, if you look at his goal scoring record, it's fantastic in the old NSL and in the state leagues and for Australia. And I still remember a great game where they played, I think they played Greece in Greece and Australia beat Greece in Greece. And he scored this goal where he rounded the keeper. I was only a kid. And look, I, I probably I probably picked the wrong place, wrong team or whatever, but it just Greece in Greece sort of sticks out in my mind. And he had the probably the best 
uh, sort of uh, game for Australia that he'd ever had. Uh, but he was just prolific. That's why he kept on getting paid, uh, sort of picked by you know, Heidelberg. I think he scored, played for them and for Australia and, uh, and you know, really well known. He'll, he'll go down as one of the greats of Victorian football, Absolutely. Gary Cole. Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game uh, and uh, taking your calls. 9429-1116. This off the SMS. Uh, and you can send one zero four. Double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Matilda's on Fox Sports tomorrow five thirty a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning v Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Algarve a- Cup in Portugal. Uh, it's a big one. Like uh, it, apparently you've got to finish uh, like the two top teams out of this four or five groups, and the, the two uh, most best performed teams go straight to the final. There's no top teams going to another knockout phase. It's just Go straight to the final, and then the next uh, best two teams play off for third and fourth. They so it's have, cuts right. have they not played very often since the World Cup? They've barely been it, cited. They yeah. cancelled that tour to the US. Yeah, that, that was the last time. I think that was the last time we were going to enjoy the Matildas. But uh, now, you know, Alan Sasich has got a chance to rebuild with young, uh, you know, girls who have learnt from the legacy of previous Matildas. So let's see what they come up with. Okay, a couple of questions about stuff going overseas. Uh, the Premier League, Leicester digging their way out of relegation fight at the moment with that win at home against Liverpool. Are they being investigated, these players? Because they played literally what they did last year. They went to a 4-4-2, and suddenly what they delivered was what they were playing week in, week out last year. You know, Claudio Ranieri, unless he's... And I haven't watched Leicester every week. Unless his tactics were completely, you know, uh, mind-boggling to the players, those players need to... You know, need to take some responsibility. I think that was awful, the fact that they played so, so well um, and they'd played so poorly prior. Speaking of poorly, Liverpool's recent results. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did suggest that is Klopp uh, in danger? Not in danger, but he came in with such goodwill and he's such a great ambassador for the club and he he conducts himself with such great spirit. But But Brendan Rodgers did too. And his record, Brendan Rodgers, uh, over the same journey as uh, Jurgen Klopp, is, is better. It only by a few games here and there, wins and so forth. But people are starting now compare uh, the guru, you know, the the saviour to Brendan Rodgers, and it's not looking that favourable. I I've just got a theory. I mean, Jurgen Klopp wants so much from his players. He he, he drives them really hard at training. Drives them. He expects you know complete helter skelter type football that's organised during the and in Germany probably work with Dortmund week in where they had the winter break. To, to rest the boys, but they, they, they've been really poor since Christmas. I think they've only won twice, maybe. They beat Tottenham last week, which was a good win, but uh, they've been really poor, and maybe they're just feeling the, the, the workload of, uh, of the way Jürgen wants them to play, and uh, it just doesn't suit English football when you're driving them that hard for that long. Yeah, massive game for them and for the Arsenal this week at Anfield, so that, mm. that, could be a, that is the, the one that might determine the fate of both those teams in the top four. The Gunners just one point ahead of Liverpool at the moment, but with the game in hand. Uh, Zlatan, yeah. Ibrahimovic. So he scores the winner in the EFL Cup final against Southampton, who were damn unlucky in that game because of a few uh, uh, refereeing decisions. But yeah. uh, his record of being able to pick up silverware, unbelievable. That's 32 trophies he's been associated with as a player. We all knew how fantastic he was became, before he came to England, but I think his brand has even gone up higher now. It's, it's funny, he's 35, people thought he was on his way down, had a little bit of a slump this year and people think it's over for him. But now he's playing, he's probably as a performed player, probably the, one of the best performed players in the world right now. And he's reaching more people with his performances every week through the EPL. So maybe his brand might go up a notch now, uh, but we always knew how great he was. So he's 35, Wayne Rooney's 31, but Wayne Rooney looks done. 
He didn't look done when he, when he, even though he didn't play on the weekend, he put his gear on. Uh, he, he was about to go on as a sub, to be fair to him, but uh, he went up and raised the cup and he celebrated with the boys. He had a John Terry. But John Terry <laughs> wasn't even on the team sheet when he did no, it. That's no, that's right. At least Wade was about to, to come on. Get changed out of his he was suspended yeah, in yeah. Moscow that time for the cup. Final. I'm hoping that the romance, Francis, I'm demanding the romance here that he goes back to Everton. I'm glad he didn't go Would to they China. have him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, for, just to sell the shirts. Can you imagine the the sale, the worldwide sale of uh, Rudy Everton shirts? Oh yeah, no, I I, I think uh, that's the romance for me. If there's any romance left in football, that's what I want. I want him to go back to Everton and play there. Well, he turned down the Chinese offer, so it might still be a possibility mm. in the upcoming European summer. At three minutes to three, Billy's in Ascafal. G'day, Bill. G'day, guys. Yeah, just a quick question regarding Rojas. Um, if he's yeah, look, he is playing brilliantly, but if he was that good as everyone's making out, why couldn't he get a sniff in Europe the last two years and suddenly he's playing so well here? Does that mean our stands of soccer's so low? He was playing, he, he, he struggled early on in Europe, but he was starting to make headway there in his second year. Yeah, he, well, in Switzerland, I think, when he transferred to Switzerland, Germany was a nightmare for him. I think he went there earlier and uh, it was, I, I can't remember whether it was an injury or whether the coach was sacked that, that got him in there in the first place. The new coach came in and said, you're not in my plans. He went to the Stuttgart second team, wasn't playing there regularly either. I think it was injury again. But then when he transferred to Switzerland before he came to Australia, he, spent, he played about 37 games, 38 games and did quite well so um, who knows the circumstances over there mate I mean sometimes players shine in some leagues and they don't in others under some coaches you know just the circumstances you've just got to be there but all you can see is he's playing the sort of football that not in the same position but the Aaron Moy type impactful football at the moment there's no reason why he can't go over there again and be a better player just to finish, uh, FFA making it quite clear that expansion's mm. off the table for the time being. So disappointing, isn't it? I mean... They're, they're, have, they, have they blinked? Do you think they haven't been brave? Yeah, I think they could be more ambitious, but I don't, I'm don't. i not the accountant. Mate. They're just really worried about more losses for the owners. They're probably under, under pressure from the owners about making a viable league. If they bring two new teams in, they're saying you're going to, go, you're going to lose money for the next six years. I, I think that they failed in negotiating a, a bigger TV rights deal, which is effective this and um, and I think they haven't they, they should have got onto this ownership issue of the A-League you know the, the, the model for ownership because I think they're going to give a lot more autonomy to clubs now but they sh- this should have been done years ago and so we wouldn't be waiting for this expansion so this is really really uh, disappointing for me and would be disappointing for a lot of people it's disappointing for mm. a lot of people the, the, the manager the coach of the national team Ange Postecoglou mm. has made it quite clear that he feels the future of the game is fully dependent on expansion of the game at the highest level to give more of our young players an opportunity to play the game professionally. And if the game stalls on that while other football codes and sports are expanding, you know, there's yeah. a little fear it's going to be left behind. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, and uh, and there, there are some markets that need to be addressed that I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan for the Geelong uh, market, to tell you the truth. And, and, and that's going to now wait for a few years. So I think the heat's gone out of those consortiums. And who knows what's going to happen in a couple of years' time when they're going to put... Well, to be fair, it's, if it's two years, they'll probably start putting their bid in next year, which probably a stronger bid. But, you know, we just want some excitement, something, something different. I think uh, it would be nice to go down that track sooner rather than later. Good on you, Carlos. Thanks, mate. We'll listen to you with the Diego's across the weekend and uh, catch you again next Wednesday here as well. That's a full dance card for me today.